Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to be looking at uh, two things. We're going to first look at the governor's state of the state speech, and we'll look at Jessica's response to that speech. Um, If you don't know what the state of the state is, it's an annual address given by our governor. And uh, just an update on on the the state of Rhode Island and where we are uh, also gives the governor an opportunity to lay out some of their own agenda and some of their own priorities. And on the other side, you have the response. Uh, my wife, uh, Jessica Delacruz, again, congratulations on being given that opportunity. Thank you. It really was an honor. I, I have to thank my colleagues for that. You did an amazing job. Uh, really blew a lot of people away, including uh, people in our circle, our friends and family. So awesome. Um, well, let's first just uh, very briefly talk about the governor's uh, speech. Uh, when you were listening to it, what was your initial thoughts? What was going on in your head? Well, my initial thoughts were, this is not a state of the state. It's a farewell speech. Hmm. And anyone that I talked to didn't matter, Democrat, Republican, they they felt the same thing. It was more like a swan song, a goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's really looking at, uh, at DC now. Her mm-hmm. eyes kind of, uh, her, her attention's shifted there. Um, all right. What about... Um, um, the uh, the essence of the speech. There was that one line that I felt kind of summarized what uh, what she she believes about Rhode Island, and she said, "But I stand here confident that we have laid the foundation for a stronger and more equitable Rhode Island." Um, do you agree first with that sentiment that Rhode Island is stronger now than before? No, I don't. Um, I wouldn't say that if we're looking at our economy. Um, she's going to want to take a victory lap and celebrate her accomplishments. So if we're judging her based on her goal to make Rhode Island more diverse then you know, and passing through legislation that was important to her, um, that were priorities for her, then yes, she she was able to accomplish some things. Mm-hmm. Let's be let's be fair. Yeah, what would but be were some they of those, the right priorities? Right. What were no. some of those um, pieces of legislation that she? Uh, well, there was the you know, she passed through the abortion legislation that was very important to her, mm-hmm. and uh, that should be an episode about how the legislature, how that thing got passed. Stay tuned. We'll <laughs> we'll talk about that. A trip down memory lane. Yeah, a trip down ago. memory lane, um, but. If we're talking about diversity, I think diversity is a great thing, but we want to be careful that we're not um, subscribing to identity politics where we're pitting one group of people against another. Mm-hmm. We should be selecting people for the position based on their the merit, right. their merit. You know, I love um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. when he said, you know, we should be judged based on the content of our character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a step backwards if we start mm. judging people based on their appearance. Yeah. Well, that, that kind of goes to that line where she she's uh, proud of some of the more, uh, what she identified as equity in Rhode Island. So mm-hmm. she did make great strides. You know, if her goal was to have a more diverse court, more diverse executive branch, um, and, and by diverse, of course, we mean, you know, more women, more people of minority, uh, then it does seem that she was very successful. So we'd give mm-hmm. her high marks if that was her her goal. But 
when she talks about making Rhode Island stronger, I I would push back on that. I'm not sure I could give her a passing grade even. Uh, when you look at the state of Rhode Island, of course, Rhode Island, like the rest of the country, has been devastated by the pandemic. The economy is in tatters. But um, uh, I don't think we, we can say that Rhode Island is better off, even when you account for you know, the damage that was done just because of the pandemic. When you look at the unemployment figures alone, um, when she took office, Rhode Island was ranked 38th in unemployment. So we were already starting off in a bad place, 38th among the other 50 states. Um, fast forward several years later, uh, we are now ranked 45th in the rest of the country. So we are yeah. certainly going in the wrong direction. And again, I know that her defenders may say that this is a result of the pandemic. But again, I would, I'd have to take issue with that because every other state, the entire country, the entire mm -hmm. globe was affected right. by the pandemic. Yeah. So we can't just blame this on that. I think there have been some missteps and some missed opportunities to really make Rhode Island stronger, at least economically, by addressing some of these more systemic issues when it comes to our tax policy and what can really attract businesses. And and maybe we're not even trying to attract other corporations or businesses into Rhode Island, but what can we do to have an environment that really encourages innovation? So, Well, well uh, here's the thing. We, we continue to slip in rankings and we're constantly hmm. found at the bottom of the barrel you know, worst place to retire, worst place to start a business. And it's schools. not like we're exactly schools. We're not yeah. inching up and saying we're making progress. We're slipping further and further. I mean, it's just not. And I do want to just circle back to the one thing uh, about the equity. I think it's great to have diversity on the court. I want to make that clear. But the the women that came before the judges that came before judiciary, me being as a woman, I didn't vote for them because they're women. I voted for them because they're highly qualified. Yeah. These are some great candidates, right? You know, and that's that's my issue. So I, I don't want anyone to misconstrue what I said. These are great candidates, and they deserve to be in their positions. But I'm not going to vote for someone just because they're a woman. Uh, all right. So in your speech, you highlighted five areas that you and your Republican colleagues, the other lawmakers, are going to be prioritizing over this session. Um, what are they briefly? What are those five areas? There's the Emergency Executive Powers, Designated Support Act, the School Choice, Small Businesses, and the Budget. Okay. Uh, let's take them one at a time, kind of rapid fire. Let's talk first about the emergency executive powers. My understanding is that during times of emergency, whether it's a governor or a president, these executives are given this power so that they can cut through the red tape, push past the bureaucracy, and just move government so that it can address whatever that emergency is, whether it's a hurricane or, in, in our case, the pandemic. So what exactly is your issue with the executive powers? I don't have an issue with emergency executive powers. Um, I don't think most Rhode Islanders do either. We recognize that emergency power is necessary, um, but we're approaching the one-year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve mm -hmm. and the implementation of executive powers. That is what I have an issue with because the executive branch is tasked with enforcing the law, mm -hmm. not making it. And this prolonged power uh, in the hands of one individual goes against our constitutional system of government and our our identity as a state, quite literally. Okay. 
Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's move on to the, the second one. The second one was the Designated Support Act. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, so during the pandemic, legislators were inundated with pleas from Rhode Islanders whose loved ones were in, in isolation. They were alone. They were afraid. They wanted family to visit them. And because of the executive powers, our hands as legislators were tied, and really they are still tied. Um, so the policy that we're putting forth would assist facilities to um, balance disease transmission protocols while still providing benefits, the benefit of having a loved one visit um, during a time of a pandemic. But okay. again, balancing the transmission protocols. So if I understand you right, you're saying that during the pandemic, a lot of these um, th these folks, whether they're in a hospice or in a in a nursing home or in a hospital, were quarantined and not allowed to have their family members with them. Is that right? Right. And this act would address that by allowing for any Rhode Islander who might be in that situation to have access to at least one family member. One family member. We're okay. talking group homes, nursing homes, assisted living. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, these individuals were denied advocacy. Okay. Okay. So that's an in interesting thing. It's not just that uh, these family members need some emotional support, but that there's an advocacy element to it. That we're, it's both. Okay. Yeah. But the, 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 this would allow for family members to, to speak up and help them. You know, sometimes, uh, at least in my family, whether it's a grandparent um, or someone that might be further along in, in their age, they just may not be able to make some of these decisions even about their own health. But mm -hmm. at least having a family member who's, what's it called, designated support, right? that would uh, ensure they have some sort of a um, voice with them. That's that's good. All right. What about the third one, school choice? Um, Rhode Island schools have continued to be failing. There was that uh, report that came out. I'm sure you'll talk about it, but uh, the, that John Hopkins report that revealed that it wasn't just Providence, but really a lot of schools in our state have been failing. Um, so what exactly would this uh, school choice, what would your focus be on school choice? School choice is such a broad topic because there are so many options available. Um, so we want to be able to give families options if it's like savings accounts or allowing their child to go to a different school district. Um, you know, we'll go to Providence and talk about the Johns Hopkins report. 90% of students in Providence don't score proficient in math. Hmm. 90%. That's amazing. 86% are not proficient in English language arts. Those are staggering numbers. And these students have one shot. Mm -hmm. They literally have one shot at a good education. And so this year, that's why Republicans were so opposed to the charter school moratorium. It's something that was uh, passed uh, on the floor just recently. Um, and the thing is, these schools are a bright spot for a lot of children in Rhode mm -hmm. Island. And... I've been saying this for a long time, and so have my colleagues, that a child's zip code shouldn't um, determine whether or not they get a good education or not. A mm -hmm. family's wealth should not determine the quality of an education. Right. I mean, you and I were in, not not in Providence, but in that kind of, um, that urban circle. Right. And uh, we weren't impressed with the school system there. And we were fortunate enough where we were able to move and move mm -hmm. into an area that has an amazing school system, but not every family can do that. 
So right. school choice provides them some sort of uh, some sort of hope. And I also remember signing our kids up or applying for a charter school, and mm -hmm. year after year after year would uh, be put on the wait list. Mm -hmm. So um, there is a need, there is a want, and we should give Rhode Islanders a yeah. chance. Yeah, I, I, for me, I I have a hard time thinking of any time that there was competition that it it didn't produce a better product or better service. Mm -hmm. Every single time right. competition is introduced to the mix. We just, I, I feel that this was a no brainer. So what was the argument for the school moratorium? They're, it's it's financial. They're worried about tax dollars leaving the, uh, the public schools. Okay. But and charter then, schools really are public schools. Because right now in Rhode Island, if a student leaves a school district and, and jumps into a charter school, the money follows the student. Funding does follow the student. Okay. And this would, this would kind of be ending that. All right. But let's uh, move on to the fourth one. The fourth point that you brought up in your speech was small businesses. Um, when I think of a small business, I'm, I'm usually thinking of like a mom and pop shop, mm -hmm. these small little um, uh, businesses that might be a family or two or three people. But I was surprised to find that small businesses have those micro businesses, the smaller ones, but right. they can go up to 500 employees. Mm -hmm. So that's actually quite a few businesses that kind of fit under, under that category. And are small businesses still the number one employer of... Um, of employees in Rhode Island? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Okay. They provide, they, they're. Well, what, what, um, has small businesses, uh, or how have small businesses been affected by the pandemic? As many as 40% of them have closed their doors last year. And that was according to a Harvard and Brown study. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, it has had a devastating impact on our economy economy because when you think about it it's not just that a business is closed that business provides a wage for an individual health insurance when somebody loses their job they're they're losing the ability to pay for their mortgage or their rent or their groceries or their health insurance mm -hmm. so um uh, it, the impact is not just on small businesses the other issue that we've had was that our state diverted federal relief funds to um, short the state's budget instead of priori prioritizing these small businesses. Um, so like I said, it's, it's more than just lost wages. It's even broken dreams for these individuals. Now, what was that? A Brown study, Brown and Harvard? Yeah. That a 40%, that's a, just a staggering, staggering number. Yeah. I mean, when you think of for, and I, I, I think there are uh, over 100,000 small businesses, just over 100,000 mm -hmm. small businesses, to think that 40,000 of these have have shut down this past year. And then when you factor in the, the fact that they are the number one employer in our state, especially when you discount or, or remove the public sector and, and education, schools and stuff, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's going to have some long-term consequences for our state. Yeah. So. I just pulled up on my uh, little Google notes here um, that I had in my speech, but it's so true. And I have to say it again, that every small business preserved provides more than a product or a service. They provide a wage, a career, mm -hmm. stability, community, and they contribute to our tax base, which funds our safety social net. Yeah. Every time I um, 
Uh, I, I'm kind of every time I think about small businesses, I'm reminded of something I learned in economics mm. uh, back in my college days many, many years ago. <laughs> and they just talked about how businesses are money multipliers, that mm. anytime a business, you know, put someone to work, it's more than, as you said, just a wage, but it's it's the coffee shop, it's the um, it's the the real estate that's being clothing rented, store. clothing, all the stuff that mm -hmm. that kind of benefits from that business being there. So hopefully that'll be something that we'll be able to address. Is there anything strategically that Republicans are planning to do this year to to help small businesses? Um, I know it's been a big focus of yours, but um, especially in the context of the pandemic, is there anything that that Republicans are looking for as maybe a solution to help? alleviate some of the, the pressure these businesses are facing? We're always looking at um, tax policy and what, because a lot of times people will submit legislation and think this is a great piece because, you know, it helps one group of individuals, but economics, you have to look at, does it apply equally to everyone? Will it, mm -hmm. will it benefit everyone? So we're always looking at legislation that comes through um, committee and even to the floor. Mm -hmm. And we always highlight, um, you know, good and bad legislation. Okay. All right. And let's move on to our, the last point. The fifth one was the budget. Uh, you mentioned that Rhode Island's budget has grown to $13 billion. Right. Um, that uh, that actually doesn't seem that much, seem like that much when we're throwing around stimulus numbers, you know, of mm -hmm. like $1.2 and and things. But $13 billion for Rhode Island, uh, that's an increase. Last year, what was it? $10 billion? Yeah, and the thing is, we're such a small state. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not California or Texas where uh, our budget should be so large. So, um, it it's unsustainable. Okay. So what what's the um, uh, what's the fear with the budget? Is it in order for us to pay for these kind of uh, expenses? Are we going to be raising taxes? Are are the is there talk of cutting services or cutting spending in in some areas? Well, there I haven't heard any talks of cutting services, but definitely raising taxes and or we sometimes call them fees, mm -hmm. but really it's always a tax. It's just another fancy word for a tax. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I do want to make sure that we're careful of is that, you know, we do have to end unsustainable spending practices, but we still have to protect core government services. Okay. And people say, oh, COVID, you know, Republicans don't care about the poor or Republicans don't care about the environment. We do care about those things. We just go about it differently and believe differently on how to do it. You've talked about it in terms of priorities, right? Right. Like there's this need, the needs versus our wants. And mm -hmm. just like in our family budget, you, you always tell people this, but- there are things that we may want, but the question is, do we need it? Right. And if we approach the state budget the same way, perhaps it wouldn't look like it's $13 billion. Right. So let me give you an example. Like last year, um, we had severe drought conditions and we were constantly reminded of the possibility of a forest fire. Rhode Island hasn't had a catastrophic incident, but if we keep underfunding DEM, the Department of Environmental Management, we're flirting with that danger. Um, another issue was dam systems failing, um, hmm. not just here in my community, but um, in others. In Gloucester, they were talking about how there would be loss to life, limb, and property if the dam um, were to let go. Right. Um, communities lost essential services like gas, water, mm -hmm. and power for days. And you mentioned um, Zamborano Hospital in your speech. I did. Which is uh, in your district, too. Right. Which, which again goes to 
us prioritizing as a state. Of mm-hmm. course, we recognize that government does play an important role, but we as a state have had a long history of inadequately funding core government functions and services like the Veterans Home, like Zamborano Hospital and DCYF, you know? Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, um, I think maybe to uh, to highlight just how good your speech was, we'll, uh, we'll end this podcast uh, with um, with some of your uh, some of the same sentiments you shared in your speech i'll even quote it but you said government has its limits no matter how well intentioned or well-meaning we are constrained by the most pressing needs addressing the pandemic reviving our economy providing adequate educational opportunities all while preserving our rights and dignities the dignities of every rhode islander Mm -hmm. thanks for quoting me You're very quotable. You have a nice buttery voice. (laughs) All right, stick around and you'll hear our closing thoughts. Prime Minister Winston Churchill said, success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed these episodes, help us by sharing them with your friends and family. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. But let us know in the comments what you've enjoyed and what you'd like to see more of.